prepare ye the way of the Lord. Let's stand together and sing, church. The grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, and especially if you're visiting with us today, we're so glad that you're here with us. There is a friendship pad on each one of the pews near the center aisle. We'd love to have you take it and fill it out. Let us know that you're here with us, whether you're here regularly or whether you are just visiting today, and pass it down the pew so everybody else gets a chance to fill it out. Lots of Christmas and Advent things going on, as you can see in our bulletin today. This evening, those people who are planning on going to Israel and Jerry's trip in May are welcome to come to a meeting at 7. It'll be down in the Youth Center. Uh, if you have not yet decided and you'd like more information, this is probably one of the last chances to get your information before you sign up. So come if you're interested or if you've already decided to go for sure. Um, also, you can participate in the many, many more poinsettias that will be a part of the uh, services for Christmas by donating one uh, out on the patio today that is, and dedicating it to somebody that you love. You can see that our third Friday group has a Christmas concert and catered dinner coming up. It is this coming Friday. It's going to be the second Friday, not the third Friday. And today's the last chance to sign up for that. It will be a wonderful Christmas concert. We have had this group before, and they are just marvelous singers, plus catered dinner. So sign up today to be part of that. A week from today in the afternoon is our Christmas concert for our choir and our bell groups. It is at 5 o'clock here in the sanctuary, and you don't have to get tickets for that. Also, two weeks from today, every week there's something that's music. Two weeks from today, our children's musical will be part of both of the worship services in the morning. You can see with our schedule for Christmas Eve, again, we are going to have four services at 2 and 4 and 7 and 9 on Christmas Eve. And because Christmas is Sunday this year, we have one service on Christmas Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Also, we'll have one, by the way, on January 1st on Sunday morning. There are many ways that you can participate in giving uh, through at this Christmas time of year. You'll notice that our giving tree, this is the last Sunday to take a tag from the giving tree. The gifts from the, if, if you take a tag there, the gifts go to children of the uh, people who are in our English as a second language, La Playa class, 
and they also go to the people who live at the friendship shelter. I saw just seven tags left just before this service, so we really need to get all seven of those picked up today. Uh, also, you can give a gift through Heifer International. Give, a give an animal to somebody in the world and give that as a gift to somebody that you love. There's also ways that you can participate in the Christmas breakfast that we give for the homeless population here in Laguna Beach. And we are delighted to welcome to our congregation a brand new baby. Tiffany and Brandon Shulin gave birth last Sunday to Violet Catherine. So we congratulate them, and we're pretty sure they're not going to be here this morning. <laughs> Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Living God, you call us to this place this morning, to this house of God, to prepare ourselves for the coming of the Lord, to celebrate the birth of the Messiah, the one who comes to baptize with fire and spirit. We ask that you will keep us faithful in proclaiming and in listening to your word. Shape and form our lives at the very center of your gathered people, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Advent is a time for God's people to reawaken their longings and to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Where there is division, we long for unity. Where there is hostility, we long for resolution. Where there is separation, we long for reunion. This morning, we light two candles. The first candle represents the everlasting hope that has touched our lives in the person of Jesus Christ. In a world of division, brokenness, and uncertainty, the second candle summons our hearts to the one called Prince of Peace. As the light shines, may we embrace and extend to all the peace of the Son of Man in all that we say and in all that we do.
a shoot shall come up from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall lie down with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. Amen. Joy to the
Prepare the way of the Lord, for you, O Lord, our soul in stillness waits. Truly, our hope is in you. So we sing that song together, for you, O Lord. For you, O Lord, my soul in stillness waits. Truly, my hope is in you. Sing that one more time. For you, O Lord, my soul in stillness waits. Truly, my hope is in you. For spring of joy, rain down upon our spirits. Our thirsty hearts are yearning for your O promised Christ, we are a world at war. Our peace depends upon your coming. For you, O Lord, our soul in stillness waits. Truly our hope is in you. We are a sinful people. A pardon depends on your coming. We are full of good intentions, but weak at keeping promises. Truly, our only hope of doing God's will is that you should come and help us do it. Lord Christ, word made flesh, our world waits. We wait for your peace for your pardon, for your grace. For you, O Lord, our soul in stillness waits. Truly, our hope is in you. Come, Lord Jesus, come, as we wait for you in this silence. For we pray in the name of the coming one, Christ our Lord. Amen. My friends, the prophet Isaiah cries out, Comfort, 
O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May his glory fill the whole earth. In Christ, God's salvation is at hand, and righteousness has come. Amen and amen. those of you who were here at downtown Laguna Beach Friday evening, you know we had a, a glorious evening and um, those of you who came into the sanctuary saw it beautifully decorated and uh, what an awesome presence it is in the very center of our city. Uh, for all of you who helped bake the cookies, prepare the hot dogs, do the, the tamales and all of that, uh, we want to thank you the artists who gathered their works to show. Um, it was a great evening. Those of you who are planning on the, being with us on our Israel trip uh, this coming May, we have a meeting this evening, 7 o'clock in the Youth Center down below. And if you'd like to know more about it, um, we welcome you to come and join us this evening at 7 o'clock. There are about 30 of us that are signed up to do this trip at this point. Okay, I want to read from Isaiah chapter 10 and then uh, a little bit from chapter 11 and then over to our gospel text in Matthew chapter 3. Isaiah 10:33. Look, the sovereign, the Lord of hosts will lop the boughs with terrifying power. 
The tallest trees will be cut down and the lofty will be brought low. He will hack down the thickets of the forest with an axe. And Lebanon, with its majestic trees, will fall. But a shoot, a shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. And from Matthew chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. And his food was locust and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region around the Jordan. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chafe he will burn with unquenchable fire. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, each of the Gospels, and the Acts of the Apostles, written by Luke, remind us that the ministry of Jesus Christ began with the preaching and baptizing of John the Baptist. It's a part of the gospel story that we begin with on this second Sunday of Advent. Now, John suddenly appeared in the wilderness of Judea. We do not know a lot about John, what kind of preparation he had, but one thing for sure. He had been reflecting upon, meditating, and contemplating 
the prophets of the Old Testament, especially Isaiah. And perhaps this had been going on for years as he had realized that his birth was in fulfillment of the promise of God to his parents, that he had a role to play, a providential role in preparing his people, his nation, for the inbreaking of the kingdom of heaven. And so he appeared down by the Jordan River in that very desolate place where the river runs through the desert. And there he began to proclaim the message. There is one who is on the way. He's going to baptize you with fire and spirit. I baptize you with water. But what this one coming represents is the coming of the Lord, just as Isaiah saw the coming of the Lord in the 6th century B.C. What Isaiah saw was God building a highway in the desert from Babylon to Jerusalem, leading the way for those who had been in Babylonian captivity back to the Holy Land to rebuild the reign and the rule of God at the very center of the Holy Land. John said, I've seen the vision. I've looked through those lens. I've seen ultimate reality. And I am calling the nation back to its roots. I am calling you back to God who led you out of Egyptian slavery, who blessed you, who established King David who spoke through prophets. I'm calling you back to God, and I invite you to be baptized in the water, to step into the Jordan River and be baptized. I speak to you as one who is calling out with an urgent voice, repent, turn around, turn around from from fear to faith. Turn around from exile into new exodus. Turn around from despair into hope. Turn around and be transformed by the power of the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. The history and the future of our people depends upon our turning. It's not just a message for the past 700 years ago. Rather, it is a message for today, and it has been the message of the church for 2,000 years. We are called to turn, to go out to, to identify with this message of repentance and witness to the one who is coming, who will baptize with fire and spirit. You can't preach this text without getting fired up, folks. We remember the, the ministry of Billy Graham who began in a big way in downtown Los Angeles in a tent filled with sawdust. And his powerful preaching began to stir the city. 
And many of the moguls of the business and the film community, movie stars, began to go. And William Randolph Hearst said to his editors, Puff Graham. And multitudes began to fill that tent, 10,000 every night at the very center of Los Angeles. Something was happening. There was a stir of the Spirit. And people's lives were being transformed, and it launched Billy's ministry both in the United States and around the world. During that time, a story that we read about Louis Zamberini told in his his book, uh, Unbroken, and in the film about how he had come back from being a prisoner of war in Japan, came back with post-traumatic stress syndrome, His life was in agony. He was a wreck. His night times were filled with nightmares. And all he wanted was revenge upon the bird who was his guard in that concentration camp in Japan. And he came back and he tried to drown his sorrows with drink, with alcohol. And he was killing himself and he was abusing his wife. Some friends had taken her to the Billy Graham meeting. She pleaded with him to go with her. Finally, he went. He hated it. He wanted to run out. She pleaded with him to go again, and he did go. And when the invitation time came to go forward, to receive Christ, to be born of the Spirit, all he said was, I wanted to run, and I started back out that sawdust trail to get away from this Southern Baptist preacher At that very moment, the evangelist's words stopped him in his tracks. Said, no one leaving. Every eye closed. No one talking. This is the most important moment of the evening, more important than the preaching. For in this moment, God is dealing with souls and calling them to himself. Your response to this will in some way signify the direction of the whole nation. When Louis went forward that night, he turned around and he went down to the front and there he received Jesus. The transformation began. He went home that night. He went to his liquor cabinet and took all the bottles of booze that he'd accumulated and poured them down the kitchen sink. And his life began to be transformed. He had turned around. He'd met God. You met God? Well, why does the church need a message like this anyway? Why does the church in America need it? Well, there were all kinds of religious officials that were going out to hear John. There were the Pharisees. They were the good Presbyterians. The serious Bible students. Those who were so committed to the law of God and to maintaining law and order and good morality that they could barely walk. They were so stiff.
And there were the Sadducees, the priestly family in Jerusalem. They were the politicians. They were running the show. They had compromised with Rome and they had their positions in trying to please Rome. They had to keep things going well in the land because, well, their positions depended on it. And there were the zealots who believed that a revolution was necessary, that violence would be demanded to throw the Romans out in order to set things right. We have to make America great again. We do it through violence. There were the Essenes. They were the guys that had gotten so sick of the cesspool in the capital that they decided to drain it. And they took themselves down to the Jordan Valley, got into a monastery in Qumran and copied scriptures because they, they believed that the center of the country was so corrupt and defiled and so many fallen priests and powerless churches, if you will, that the only way you could be saved was to simply separate from it all. John said to them what every congregation wants to hear on Sunday morning. You brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath of God? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Turn around. There's one coming. And you're either going to be baptized with the fires of God's judgment or you're going to be baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. Which will it be? And many within Israel, amongst the common people who went out to hear John and to be baptized, they thought of the nation, they thought of their own lives as like dried up stumps in the wilderness with roots ready to dry, empty, powerless, unable to do anything, looking for some prophetic word that had not been heard in the land for hundreds of years. And that's the way a lot of people feel in our time. It's the way a lot of churches feel. Someone in our Wednesday morning Bible class asked the question, why do so many churches fail? It caused me to think of this denomination that we're a part of, and really not just ours, but all the Protestants and the Catholic churches in this country, all the Christian churches. With We, we Presbyterians, we have nearly 11,000 congregations spread across the country but 55 to 60% of them cannot afford to call a pastor. They don't have the people or the money to do it. And so they're like dried up stumps waiting to die. And I know that there's a high percentage of new church developments that fail. And I remembered last week at our Los Ranchos Presbytery meeting when we unceremoniously terminated the new church development in Ladera Ranch. After the pastor and the small group of people had worked for 
nearly 15 years to raise up a church in that prosperous, flourishing community in South Orange County. Why do churches fail? There's a perception of churches in the country that the church is a dried up stump without much hope, that the church is irrelevant, says the secularist. We can live life without organized religion. We can join that group called the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, who have some sort of spirituality, but who basically are turned off to the church because what they've experienced in the church has been so frozen and so lacking in compassion and so many people have been hurt by the rigidity and lack of gospel, if you will, in the church. And we're hearing a lot of talk in our time from different people about what it will take to make America great again. And that's a good question. And I think it comes right down to every one of us. It comes down to every local congregation. What does it mean to be great anyway? From the Bible's perspective, to be great means to be alive to God. our own session we've been struggling with how to tell you the congregation in the month of December that we still need $235,000 this month to pay our expenses and our operating budget how is it at a time when the stock market is at its highest levels that it's ever been And in a time in which we all want to get rich, that we have such difficulty in supporting the mission of God through his church. So that the church appears stump-like. Desperately needs a fresh shoot inspired by the Spirit of God to burst forth in ways that fruit is born. This Sunday morning, we are launching a watershed celebration in the history of Laguna Presbyterian Church. This Sunday is the beginning of our 100th anniversary. Think of all the saints who have sat in these pews. And the people who have given time and money and made it possible for us to be here in this restored building. We're calling it celebrating God's faithfulness. But what we mean is celebrating the faithfulness of the people of God. Who have sacrificed and given and made it possible for this church to be here, not as a dead stump, but as a church of saints who are alive. 
And the words, the words of John the Baptist and of Isaiah the prophet are just as important for us now as they were then. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The inbreaking of the presence and the power of the holy God who is the source of whatever greatness humans may be able to experience or long for. That is what makes greatness. It is to be a servant of God's love. It is to trust, to gather, to be totally devoted to the cause of Christ. And so it is not inappropriate for the preacher on this Sunday morning to call the congregation to turn around. But what would that mean? I want to read a few words from the prophet Malachi as to what it means. Malachi is the last book of the of the Old Testament. And John knew all about it. The Lord said to his people through Malachi, Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Or what are we supposed to do about it? And the Lord asked another question. Will anyone rob God? Yet you are robbing me in your tithes and offerings, the whole nation of you are robbing me. That sermon won't get many pastors a call to a church. But Malachi says, bring the full tithe are 10% into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and thus put me to the test, says the Lord. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an ever-flowing blessing. This is not prosperity theology. This is just the truth of God, the truth of the gospel, the truth of our stewardship. Sure, we have to pay off a mortgage debt. We hope to do that this next year, 1.5 million. And we hope to clear up the environmental problems that we have. I don't know how much that'll be. We don't know yet. But let me suggest to you this simple truth this morning that if we were all sitting down carefully and evaluating whether or not our giving of our time, our talent, and our treasure represents 10% of the power that we have, we would have more money than we need. And here the preacher this morning is begging and twisting. And it's on pledging Sunday. And maybe you've already sent your pledge card in. Maybe you need to do another one. There are pledge cards in the pew racks before you. I invite you to consider whether or not what you have given this last year 
represents a 10% tithe of all that you receive in the year. Does it? Well, maybe it's going to take you a while to get there. It means the reorganization of our lives, the rewriting of our priorities. But I can assure you of one thing, you cannot outgive God. And you will be blessed if you give. Not just here, but in a lot of different places. If you let that spirit of God's generosity, the fruit of the Spirit, bear fruit worthy of repentance. One of the most concrete ways we do that is of giving ourselves body and soul in all that we are and all that we ever hope to be to the living God, laying our lives on the altar as a living sacrifice. That's the fruit worthy of repentance. And it has many manifestations. So this morning when we leave, we're going to take the offering. You can place your pledge cards in the, in the plates. Or you can mail them to the church. But your response during this December is going to determine the spirit of our hundredth year. And when we leave the church this morning, if you choose, John knew that not everyone responded to his message or believed his message. In fact, a lot of people ended up hating John and loving him. He was a troubler of Israel. But if you'd like to come, just dip your hand in the baptismal fountain as a sign that you're turning, I invite you to do so. So stand with me and let's affirm our faith. Words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 15. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant us grace to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus so that together we may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. The root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. May the God of hope Fill us with all joy and peace in believing so that together we may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be seated as we receive our trusting together pledges.
Father, we give thanks for the Lord Jesus, child of promise and the sign of hope, who came from a distance far beyond our reach, who is closer to us than we are to ourselves. He remains with us in our own days of expectation that we may realize what is just, true, beautiful, and good. We pray that with the promise of his birth, that peace on earth may soon be fulfilled, both in our troubled hearts and our troubled world. We pray for those parts of the world that especially need your peace this morning. We lift up Afghanistan, Iraq, Israel, Palestine, and Syria. For our own nation, we lift up Ohio and for Oakland for justice, love, comfort, and peace to reign. We lift up our own church during this Christmas season as we begin our 100th anniversary celebration. We pray for all those who walk through these doors. Make them receptive to your word and grace. Cause them to feel welcomed and deepen them in their love and desire for Jesus Christ our Lord. And so in response to our faith, we bring these gifts and offerings and pray they'll be used for your glory for the sake of Jesus Christ, the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
night when Jesus was with his disciples in the upper room, he washed their feet. And when he came to Peter, Peter said, you're never going to wash my feet. <laughs> Peter said, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Well, Lord, Peter said, not just my feet, but my whole body. So, Lord, just not my feet, not just these fingertips, but help me to live into the fullness of the life to which you've called me and your people. In life and death, we belong to God through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mm -hmm.